Now, some time ago, we talked to you. Well, I say some time ago. It was actually last month or the month before we talked to you about menopause. And we talked to different women on the air about their experiences because it's something that we have to discuss because it's something that every woman goes through. And not just every woman. Every man indirectly because you have to have an understanding to help and support your partner when she's going through a difficult time for menopause and the symptoms of menopause or perimenopause. And we all need to have an understanding of how we can support each other to something that's very natural in a very natural stage of life. Well, to give us a little bit more information on it is Dr. Quiva Hartley, and she joins me on the air because Dr. Quiva Hartley is launching Menopause Health. Uh, good afternoon to you. Hi, Niall. How are you doing? Uh, it, it is very important that men and women, because people often say, oh, this is a bit for the women to listen to. It's not really. It's a bit for everybody to listen to because we need to support each other, don't we? Well, that's it. I think, you know, everyone has um, someone in their life potentially who's been affected by this. So, yeah, sister, mother, a girlfriend, wife, whatever it is. So we have to have an understanding, I suppose, of the symptoms and what can happen during that time so we can help to support the other person. So, this is this, yeah. okay, so let, let's talk about age first. I mean, this can vary greatly, can't it? Absolutely. So the average age of menopause in Ireland is approximately 51. But we know that it can actually happen earlier. And actually, the symptoms can appear really any time from around the age of 45. So some women will start experiencing some t- symptoms of hormonal change as early as their mid-40s potentially. But your periods can actually stop completely. You can become menopausal under the age of 45. That's about 5% of women who are affected by that, called an early menopause. And actually 1% of women go through premature menopause, which happens below the age of 40. Is any of that related to, you know, the way some girls will have their periods at an earlier age, sometimes 9, 10, 11 years of age, some girls would start later. Is there anything, connect, is there a connection between that? Because somebody told me before, well, if you start your periods younger, you might have menopause younger. Is there a connection between the two? Not necessarily. Actually, a lot of factors feed into when we hit menopause, when our periods stop. And when you start having periods, it uh, doesn't dictate necessarily when your periods are going to stop. Other things, though, might. So genetics is probably the big one. How many pregnancies you've had, what age you've been when you've had your pregnancies, if you smoke, um, and other sort of medical um, conditions that might be in your history can all influence when we actually reach our menopause. Okay, so what for, for women out there and the men that are married to them and their partners, <laughs> what is usually the first sign that you're at that point in your life where, okay, this is starting? What's usually the first sign? So I think the first thing that people would notice potentially is a change in the pattern of their periods. So their periods might start to become irregular. So maybe previously they were, you know, every 28 days, nice and regular, and all of a sudden then they're either more frequent or they can skip a month or two and they can become further apart. And they can actually change in how heavy they are. So it's quite common in your mid to late 40s to have very troublesome, really heavy periods that can really um, impact your, your ability to kind of function on those days when you're when you have your period. So a change in their bleeding is probably the first thing that they would notice. Okay, and the next things I suppose they will notice, everybody talks about kind of the hot flashes and the chills and the night sweats and the sleep problems, mood changes and depression. Do they come with perimenopause or is that more when we're getting into the stage of menopause? So perimenopause is slightly different. So perimenopause is when these hormonal, hormonal changes start to happen. Um, a lot of people say it's a bit like puberty and I suppose in some ways it is because you start to get fluctuating hormone levels. So it's not like menopause, your periods have stopped, you're not ovulating anymore, and you're deficient in estrogen. But in perimenopause, that few years before that, it's more to do with fluctuating hormones. So you're producing variable amounts of these hormones. So it's more like PMS, and a lot of women that'll probably click with, they think, yeah, I, you know, I've noticed that I'm okay for a couple of weeks, and then I have a few weeks 
where more pronounced than usual I'm getting headaches or irritability, mood and emotional symptoms would be quite common. But once we start seeing things like hot flushes or night sweats, dry skin, dry eyes, the joint aches and pains, different things like that, that's more deficiency of estrogen. So that happens in kind of late perimenopause and then when someone actually reaches menopause and they become deficient in that hormone. And just the, the time for perimenopause, it, 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 that can vary, obviously, because you mentioned earlier mm. on that it can vary. But I mean, on average, is that a kind of three or four year period before you you're kind of get into the, the menopause itself? Give or take, yeah. yeah. So you might notice your periods start changing somewhere around your mid-40s and then somewhere around your early 50s. That's when your periods might stop. Unfortunately, you can develop these symptoms of perimenopause or symptoms of deficiency before, just before your period stops and they can actually persist. So the average length of time to get something like hot flushes would be about 7 to 10 years. So it's not a short amount of time. And, and, and to remind people, not every woman will get the same symptoms. I mean, when I looked today, when I knew I was going to be talking to you, I said, I'll have a look at the symptoms. It's like, Good, an, yeah. end, it's like an endless list. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and every woman will have different symptoms. I mean, right down to things like weight gain, slow metabolism, thinning of the hair, uh, dry skin, uh, loss of breast fullness, sleep problems, night sweats. God, you poor women. Uh, I mean, there's a, just a <laughs> list of stuff. I mean, but I suppose some of them are more common than others. Some are quite rare. I, I imagine some of these side effects or symptoms that you would have. True, yes. Yeah. So about 70 to 80% of women are going to experience some symptoms. So there's probably one in five women who kind of breathe through menopause, which is great, and they don't get any severe symptoms. But a quarter of women will certainly get quite severe, like severe enough to probably impact their ability to work, their relationships, their day-to-day, you know, functioning and ability to sort of enjoy things on a day-to-day. So no, it is not it's not easy. It's not, it's not for the faint-hearted, unfortunately. And you're right. I think a lot of people are familiar with the more common symptoms, but there are some like unusual symptoms in there or maybe symptoms that people haven't joined the dots in their own head might be due to you know a change in hormones. So Loss of libido, like, I suppose, is a common one for women. One. Yeah. And, very, and, very common, yeah. Yeah, and that, of course, that's one that can affect, obviously, a relationship and people have to be very understanding. Men have to be very understanding of their partners when the women are in that situation. And I suppose we've come to a point in technology now to get days and medicines where we got better at dealing with these things because years ago we kind of ignored women, I suppose, was the case. If you go back a long, long, long time ago, women got older very quickly because we kind of ignored their problems. Now we live in a world where we, we're very conscious of each other's problems as men and women. I mean, HRT, you know, you years ago was put down as this very bad thing and it was causing lots of problems. But of course, that was greatly exaggerated at the time. We now know, and of course, they've changed the way they do it as well, that HRT is a wonderful thing and can help women get through this. Is that still something that's still being recommended by doctors? Or are doctors qualified enough even nowadays? Because obviously you're a specialist. Do you think doctors are qualified? Your local GP, is he qualified to talk to you about your menopause and what he should be recommending in relation to, you know, either subsidising your hormones or, or fixing your hormones? I think it's not a matter of of, uh, kind of poor knowledge base when it comes to general practice. I think your GP is well equipped to deal with this. It's time constraints is the real issue. So as you pointed out, it's so individual. And sitting down with a woman and teasing out with her, look, what, you know, what's bothering you here? Like, what are the main issues? And I might be preoccupied with thinking, God, we have to treat your hot flushes. And she might be sitting there thinking, I don't mind about the hot flushes, actually. It's the joint aches and pains or the lack of sleep or the loss of libido. Is that, or is that a common one, joint aches, like sore bones and all that, you know, kind of constantly saying, oh, my legs are sore, my arms are sore. Is, is that a common problem as well in menopause or perimenopausal? 
Yeah, it can be. And that really reflects estrogen deficiency. Obviously, lots of things can give you joint aches and pains. There's, you know, wear and tear or osteoarthritis. There's other inflammatory types of arthritis. But estrogen is such an important component of how we make collagen and glycogen and things that are really important for our joints. So it can, and it's an anti-inflammatory. So it can be, it can be a feature of, of menopause to get some um, mm-hmm. uh, generalized aches and pains that often improve with something like hormone therapy. There's loads of questions, by the way, coming in for you. Um, what, what, what have you got a coil fitted and have no idea when your last period was? Yes, yeah, so that's tricky to put someone on a, on a sort of timeline if they're not having regular periods because they have a coil in. So the coil is a small little device that's usually placed into your womb. And for the majority of women, if it's a marina or a, or a kylina coil, the one containing a hormone, their periods might stop completely. So we're often, I suppose we're going off symptoms then. If someone is getting a lot of hot flushes, which their coil won't treat at all, you can safely give that, wo- that woman estrogen to treat that issue or other medication if it's indicated. Um, and then the coil will stay there and do its job and hopefully control her bleeding and give her contraception or birth control at the same time. Because, of course, let's not throw contraception out the window because some people think, oh, I'm going through menopause. That's grand. I don't have to take my contraception anymore. And all of a sudden, there's a pregnancy on the way. So you've got to be careful how you time all this as well. But uh, HRT, by the way, do you recommend HRT? Um, I do and I don't. I absolutely, I think it's it's fantastic medication um, and it's really beneficial, but it's not a case of HRT for everybody. So it's, again, like hugely individual. So... But you had kind of alluded to it there, but the studies that were and the research that was done in the late 90s and early 2000s was like at the time, you know, kind of spread all over the, the media and all over the medical journals that it was um, unsafe. We know now, looking back, that that research wasn't totally correct. And when we uh, like reanalyzed that, um, we've come to a different conclusion. And we also use different medication now to the hormones that would have been prescribed at the time. So it's a totally different um, playing field now. For most women, though, HRT it's really, really safe, really effective for their symptoms and can actually do an awful lot of good for their long-term health. So it's protective for bone health, protective of osteoporosis, and it's actually been shown to be protective for cardiovascular disease as well. So, so it's, okay, so it's a good thing. Okay, and some of the questions, okay. I got my first flush at the age of 47 after my period stopped. I'm now 59 and still having night sweats as well as sleeping difficulties and all the other symptoms. How long more will this continue? That sounds like a nightmare. So I know, she's 59. I know, poor woman. I know, and I, and I don't have an answer for her, I'm afraid. So there's no test that we can do that will tell someone, you know, you're X amount of time away from this stopping. Um, and like I said, about 10% of women will, will continue to have symptoms for the rest of their life. So you can be unlucky, but it's worth having a conversation about whether or not that woman might be a candidate for treatment. Okay. Uh, Niall, can you please ask that lady? I uh, haven't had a period in four years. I'm only 43. Suddenly I've got them uh, so unbelievably heavy. It's scary. I've tried to go to my doctors, but they keep fobbing me off, saying I'm too young. I've all the symptoms. I've sore bones, weight gain, depression, bad sleep, hot flushes, etc. Have you any suggestions of any vitamins maybe that I could take? I think it would be maybe more important, although obviously I, ha- I don't know the, the person who's written um, the query, but it would be important to look at why that's happened to this person, why your period stopped for so long and has come back now. And so often we would do some blood work for someone, especially under the age of 45, to look for other causes, to establish if it's menopause, and maybe an ultrasound or a scan if, if, if needed in that case too. Yeah, okay. So, um, went into menopause at 38. I'm now 49 and still uh, right in it. I got every symptom going. It was awful. Had to go uh, on HRT. The best thing that ever happened to me. 
Okay, so obviously that's somebody who's uh, championing HRT. And I see a lot of people, by the way, saying HRT changed their lives. And yeah, it can be yeah. life-changing, can't it, for some women? Oh, it absolutely can be. And it, I mean, it, it, it's replacing a hormone that you've suddenly become deficient in. So like anything else, um, you know, that's going to make you feel better. But um, as I say, it's reassuring now to know that the breast cancer risk with HRT, especially if you're prescribed modern body-identical type of HRT, um, is, is very small. I mean, it's there for some women, but it's very small. Um, and the benefit that it can do for their long-term health, health is huge, not, never mind their quality of life. Yeah, I, I, I could ask it. I swear to God, the amount of questions that are coming in here is unbelievable. Uh, I'm 52 <laughs> in menopause since 45. Can't have uh, her because my sister had breast cancer. Well, I, don't, I think she mistyped there. But anyway, uh, sweats, flushes, aches, non-sleeping and mood swings. Uh, what am I supposed... I'm assuming that's what am I supposed to do or what will I do? Mm. Should I go on HRT? Well, again, you've already said HRT might be a suggestion, but again, talk to your local GP. He would be the best to advise you. And I, I didn't want to put you on the spot and ask you all these no, questions. Because okay. I didn't I mean, warn you that we were going to ask you questions. It's, it's okay, of, I don't mind. There's loads <laughs> okay. of them coming in here, by the way. In relation to the coil, by the way, somebody just wants to know, by the way, what do they do if on the last scan there was no sign of the strings of the coil and they're gone? Uh, what will happen when it needs to be replaced? So a missing coil, is that common, by the way? Uh, no, not common, um, but it can happen. So sometimes there's little threads that are kind of protruding or sticking out of your cervix, which is the neck of your womb, that belong to your coil. And they're what we use to remove the coil after five years or seven years or whatever it might be. Um, if we can't see them when we go to remove it, you need an ultrasound to establish if the coil still sitting in your womb, which 99.9% of the time it absolutely is. Where else And then they surgically removed. Well, that's the, that's the thing, yeah. It, it, <laughs> they, they can fall out. Can, can they fall out? Sorry, my they can, my yeah, that 1% will fall out. About 1 in 100 um, can fall out. Oh, right, okay, okay. But um, usually that's in the first six weeks after you've had it inserted. So it's unusual to fall out kind of down the line, unless you've had very heavy... All right, but you don't have to go and have like major surgery or anything like that to get it out or anything like that. So, okay, no, that's they, what the person was working, worried about. No, it's a bit more straightforward than that, but it's often done in the hospital to have it removed. Yeah, is somebody else wants to know, is there any test you can get to tell if you're in a the menopause? I'm 48 and I'm not sure. Is there is there a test? Is there like a blood test? Yes and no. So there is a blood test. We look for a hormone called FSH or follicle stimulating hormone. And there's emerging evidence now that we can look at a couple of other hormones as well. Um, but the problem with measuring these things, measuring estrogen, me- measuring FSH, is that they're, they're really unreliable in women who are still having periods. So if you've gone a full year with no period, you are menopausal. Like there's no, sort of, unless it's being caused by some other medical problem, you're menopausal, you don't need a blood test. That's the end of it. Right, okay. So that's really the main sign, isn't it? It is, of course. Oh, absolutely. Or either that or you're Um, pregnant, one or the other. (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. We we maybe check for other (laughs) things, but if you rule out other causes. So if a 51-year-old comes in and says, look, I'm pretty sure I'm not pregnant, no period in the last year, okay, that's menopause, easy peasy. But for the 47, 48-year-old, irregular periods, the blood test is not reliable. They fluctuate too much, so it could be high one day and low the next. So we go on clinical basis only. All right, okay. Somebody says, is it an old wives' tale that your menopause will be similar to your mother's? No, there's definitely a genetic underpinning. So if your mum had early menopause, you're slight, at you know, slightly increased risk of the same thing happening you. If your mum had very severe symptoms, then again, you're, you're in that kind of category of maybe being a slightly increased risk of having that. But so many other factors contribute, like smoking and other lifestyle factors too. So, um, so it's not as simple as just that, but it's definitely a little guide that you can use, yeah. You're of great help to people here, by the way. Somebody else says, hi, I'm on the pill. I'm 49, no symptoms yet, except night sweats. Um, is the pill still safe? In other words, is it still still safe to be taking the pill, I suppose, if she believes she might be in menopause? Um, it is safe to take if you're in perimenopause or menopause. However, 
Um, it would very much depend on that person's past medical history. So, you know, over, over a certain age with the combined contraceptive pill, so the one that contains estrogen and progesterone, we sometimes try and take women off that if we can, if they have other risk factors for things like getting a blood clot. So, for example, if they smoke or if they have a history of that. So it would depend on her own medical history. Okay, yeah, I'll answer this one myself. It says, it says is it dangerous to take care of it? Is it still dangerous? Uh, no, because they heard bad stories. Don't believe the stories you hear. There was research done many, many, a published paper many, many years ago, uh, but that paper actually was discounted uh, many years later as being bad research. So please don't take that. I know the story is still out there. Um, and there was vested interest in that particular story at the time. Hi, now, uh, can I ask what if you're getting these symptoms but still have a period, 40 uh, this year, what else could be causing sweating, etc.? Well, I don't know if, the, uh, if Dr. Hartley wants to answer that one or not, but I mean, that's, that could be a myriad of things, I imagine. Oh, it can, absolutely. I mean, and perimenopause is maybe on that list. Yeah, just because she's 40 doesn't unfortunately mean that it can't be in, you know, in that zone. But definitely worth maybe some blood work, looking at thyroid levels and other things to rule out other causes that might be driving her symptoms. Is there a whole, somebody else wants to know, is there a holistic approach to reducing symptoms? Words, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah there are, so um, we look at lifestyle, we talk about reducing things that might be aggravating factors, so alcohol and smoking and caffeine, increasing exercise has been shown to be beneficial, especially for sleep and mood. Something like cognitive behavioural therapy or CBT, that has a lot of evidence behind it as well for treating symptoms of perimenopause and menopause. And then in terms of kind of vitamins, vitamin D really important to protect your bone health going forward. Um, so to protect you from losing bone density, which is something that happens with menopause. Um, and there's a small bit of research looking at using phytoestrogen. So these are often in a lot of the supplements, but they can be dietary estrogen. So things like soya and tofu and mm-hmm. lentils will contain certain kind of dietary estrogens that can be helpful. Okay, so they help your body to produce the estrogen, I suppose, in that sense. Okay, I'll ask you two more because I, I know you're stuck for your own time as well and I, don't, I didn't want to be taking up this much of your time today. Okay. And I appreciate you staying on the air, by the way. Uh, Niall, can you ask about menopause with endometriosis, endometriosis and uh, can I take HRT? <laughs> um, uh, yes, you can, absolutely. It should be safe with endometriosis. Um, that's a bit more complicated. Um, it depends if that person's had a hysterectomy or not and then, so it's a bit complicated, but yeah, like the bottom answer is absolutely yes. Somebody with a history of endometriosis can absolutely take HRT, yes. Okay, because of course if you've had a hysterectomy, you're most likely going to go into menopause at an early stage of your life if you've had it at an early stage of your life as well, most likely. is that I'm assuming that would be the case. Yes, well, I mean, your period would absolutely, you know, stop if you had a hysterectomy, but your ovaries might still be producing estrogen mm. for you there in the background. They have shown that women who've had a hysterectomy often go into menopause a little bit earlier than women who, who don't. So, And it kind of it influences what type of medication we can prescribe as well. Okay, I have two here, but they're more or less asking the same thing. One says, uh, I'm on HRT, but I've absolutely no libido. What can I do to help? Another person says, my sister is on HRT and is doing great, but she has absolutely no libido at all and is wondering why HRT isn't helping her with this. So uh, HRT doesn't help libido because obviously that's a big problem for people, uh, you know, go, or women uh, going to menopause is the drop in libido and the disinterest I suppose in intimacy so does HRT help or should it help? It depends what's causing their their drop in libido sometimes it is straightforward and it's just hormonal and sometimes HRT can help sometimes it's mood sometimes it's to do with their relationship sometimes they're having terrible sleep and that's you know and that's kind of driving their low libido so looking for like teasing that out a little bit and looking for what the root cause is will often help or for other women, they're having painful sex because they have some vaginal dryness associated with menopause and treating that can often help in terms of libido. There has been some evidence looking at testosterone replacement for libido. Mm-hmm. It's not really indicated to use testosterone for anything else. 
Um, but there is some research saying for women who have very low libido that testosterone replacement but might isn't, help. And isn't that the, the, the key to the, the female version of Viagra, I suppose, is testosterone? But there's always the danger with testosterone, of course, of the side effects. The last thing we want is a woman getting deep voice and growing a beard. So, and, and they have to be careful how they balance those, those hormones out, I imagine. True enough. So that's where, you know, talking to the right person and making sure you're getting good advice comes in. And usually we'll monitor people on testosterone therapy with blood work um, at least every six months to make sure that they're not at risk of those lovely side effects that you just pointed out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it, by the way, is there a female version of Viagra? Because, of course, Viagra for men was probably the greatest invention of the, the 21st century. So, But is there a female version? Because didn't Viagra... I do remember the CEO of Viagra many years ago when he was asked if they were bringing out a female version. He said, but we're working on it, but it would need to come with a box of chocolates and a bunch of flowers. So, but, <laughs> but, Because obviously, uh, you know, intimacy is more complicated with women uh, because it can be more emotional. Uh, so, <laughs> But, but is there a female version of Viagra? Is there a female version? Not that, I, not that I'm aware of, no. Um, no, not that I'm aware of, and more is the pity. But, right, no, okay. we're, we're a bit, we're, unfortunately, I think, that, you know, oh, the women, poor old women. We're, a bit more, we're a bit more complicated than that. Yeah, it's not as simple as taking a tablet for us, I don't think. Yeah. Well, listen, i got to thank you very much indeed, Dr. Quiver uh, Hartley, and thank you for coming on the show. By the way, loads of people, by the way, texting in. And if anybody wants more information, you can get in contact. Uh, or where can they contact you? Or where can they get information from? Where's the best place? Yeah, they can look at my website. It's www.menopausehealth.ie. Menopausehealth.ie. And I tell you what, if you go to my Twitter account or my Facebook account today, uh, we will put the link to the website on that for any woman or anybody who wants information. Don't just bombard her with questions now as well. But, but in saying that, I'm sure she'd be happy to help as well. And listen, thank you very much indeed, Dr. Quiva Hartley. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks, Niall. Well, there you go. That's something I think that should interest everybody. And by the way, lads, I know for the last half hour you're going to laugh, for God's sake. No, this is just about women. It's not. It's about you too because you're married to a woman or you have a girlfriend or you have a mother or you have a sister. You need to understand them. And you need to understand the problems that go along with menopause. And it's something that affects every single woman in this world.